Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. These uh, Neil Med sinus flushing. Anybody ever done one of these? Okay, these things are money. I'm just telling you. And you take take a little sa- sachet, and you put it in the bowl or in, in in the pot. Put water in it. It has to be clean water. And then you you squeeze up one nostril and down the other, and it kind of flushes everything. Okay, so that I so you know I'm like I gotta buy those. So I get online and I buy enough for my whole family. This was Ian's bottle because it has his name on it. Probably for a lifetime. Enough for my whole family for our entire lives. On, because I read an article that was probably totally unfounded, probably terrible science, but it gave me a sense of control. I have no idea. Someday, some, you know, something's going to happen and people are going to clean out my, you know, my basement and they're going to come across like boxes of this stuff. I have no idea where it all went. That really wasn't the point. We never used it. But on that day, when I ordered it, I felt control. It helped me tame what seemed untamable and brought me a sense of that in the chaos of life, I could control what was uncontrollable. Let me give you a truth to live by. You guys ready? If you're taking notes, you you may want to write this down. Life is chaotic and stormy, and then you die. (laughs) There's a truth to live by. Life is chaotic and stormy, and then you die. I mean, okay, let's be honest. You are either headed to a storm, you are either in a storm, or you're on your way out of a storm. Um, last week as I was writing this message, I was facing storms on multiple fronts from the north, south, and the east in different areas of my life. It just felt like there are storms. Maybe the Lord was preparing me for this message. Um, actually, I looked up the forecast. If you want to see the forecast, if you're like, go ahead and show it. That's the radar. There's storms coming. There's storms on their way, then there's going to be a little break, and then there's going to be more storms. And, and the reason why I share that is this. Oftentimes, people act as if, if they start following Jesus, Jesus will be their ticket out of the storms of life. But here's the reality. Jesus never said you won't face storms if you follow him. And here's what I know. Unmet expectations are the seedbed for disillusionment. And what happens is when you have expectations that are not um, met, you become disappointed. And when you face disappointment, that turns into disillusionment. And when you face disillusionment, then you start to deconstruct your faith. And you deconstruct your faith simply because you bought into expectations that were faulty. And so Jesus never said that you would face that you wouldn't face storms. Let me give you a a list of some storms you could be facing right now. Relational storms. Had a conversation last week. Relational storm that was brewing. 
You face strife or loneliness or a breakup or, or a broken family. Emotional storms. I had a conversation about this last week where there's grief and disappointment or there's mental health issues or you're overwhelmed because you have more on your plate than you have time on your calendar. Or there's physical storms like I faced last week when I woke up and my back sent me to the chiropractor. Or you hear about an unexpected diagnosis of a loved one or you get an injury when you're playing basketball. There's societal storms where you watch the news and you're put in touch with the brokenness and the injustice of our society afresh. There's economic storms where you go to start your car and your car doesn't run like you thought it should. I had one of those conversations last week. They weren't all about me, but you know. Or you find out that somebody you love or yourself lost a job or you found out you didn't get the job. Then there's storms of uncertainty when you look into your future and your financial future and your relational future seems so... um, unknown and it feels like a storm is barreling down and sometimes those storms are so intense you feel like you need to take cover but here's what happens when you steadily face storms is that the operating system of your life starts to become one of fear and anxiety and worry anybody know what I'm talking about it's interesting that in the bible the most common command is to fear not. Do not fear. It's mentioned 352 times, almost once for every day, because we need to hear it every day. And while the truth is is that life will be stormy, there's another truth that supersedes that truth, that, that makes that truth pale in comparison. And it is the truth that can move us from a life of an operating system of fear to an operating system of faith. And that's the truth we're going to look at tonight. So if you will, open up your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 35 through 41. So if you can get your Bibles out, if you need a Bible, we have some Bibles back there. Feel free to jump up, grab a Bible, and keep it till Jesus comes back. All right. Mark four thirty-five. Here is what it says. Follow me to the center of the Sea of Galilee. It says, that day when Jesus came, or when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Okay, let's stop there for a second. Here's what we have. Jesus has been teaching all day. And he's tired. If you've ever taught all day, you are exhausted. It's evening and Jesus is like, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Here's what you need to know. The Sea of Galilee is... 700 feet below sea level. It's the the lowest body of water on the planet. But to the north, I've been able to be there and see it. To the north are the Golan Heights, the Mount Hermon that that stands 9,000 feet towering over the Sea of Galilee, 9,200 feet above sea level. So about 10,000 feet, okay? So here's what you got. 
You've got the cold air, so you can be at the Sea of Galilee. It's hot. You can look at the Golan Heights. It's snow-capped mountains. And so what you have is the runoff, the cold runoff, the cold water, and the cold uh, air coming off those mountains. Then you have the desert air pushing in and, this, and the, the moisture from the Mediterranean Sea. And when all of that starts to mix, then huge storms can come at just a moment's notice. Well, I don't know if you remember, but Jesus has four of his disciples who are expert fishermen. That's what they did for a living, right? And so in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, they face a storm. And this is no ordinary storm. I mean, these fishermen had been through some storms before. This wasn't their first rodeo. You know what I'm talking about, right? But this storm was unique. As they face the storm, in fact, in the Greek, it says it was a mega storm. And we're going to talk about why that's important in a moment. These expert sailors conclude, we're going to die. And so they are trying to bail water out, but they, the water is coming in faster than they can bail it out. They're panicking. They're, they're scared. Their fear is, is, is off the charts. And so they run to Jesus and they say, don't you care? In their moment of fear, they wonder if Jesus cares for them. You know anybody like that? Let me make an important observation. Why were these disciples in the storm? Why were they in the storm? Because Jesus is the one who said, let's go to the other side. Here's the point. You know why they're in the storm? Because they obeyed Jesus. Jesus didn't just keep them, not keep them from the storm. He sent them into the storm. And here's what you need to know. That sometimes you can be in the middle of a storm and be right in the center of God's will. And that's what we have in this story. They are in the center of God's will, doing what Jesus told them to do, and they are in the middle of a storm. And so they go find Jesus. And did you guys catch what Jesus was doing? Let me read again, verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, which is the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion, just nuzzled up. And the disciples woke him up and said, Don't you care? I love this picture. Jesus asleep on a cushion. Everybody else is panicking. Everybody else is freaking out. Everybody else thinks they're going to die. And they go in and Jesus is curled up on a cushion. Let me tell you what they didn't find. They didn't find Jesus walking back and forth in the stern, wringing his hands. Oh no, what are we going to do? Boy, this was a big mistake. We shouldn't be out here right now. It's the middle of the night. There's a fury. What was I thinking? This happens all the time. No, he wasn't wringing his hands. He was asleep. And the psalmist talks about this, that even in the midst of chaos, that when we trust in God, we can lay our heads down and sleep. Isn't that good news? See, here's the thing. Jesus isn't just our savior. He is our example of what it looks like to walk the walk of faith. And in the midst of chaos, Jesus is laying there asleep. What a picture. That when the world is in panic, we can lay our head on a pillow and trust God. Can I confess to you that many times that's hard for me? And so Jesus gets up and then verse 39, he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. 
And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Okay, let me tell you, this is the Pete Bulette paraphrase. I don't know if this is how it went down. This is how I imagine it. They're like, Jesus, you got to get up. And he's like, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> Does the old stretch. Rubs his eyes. Walks out of the boat. Whoa. And he says, quiet. Be still. And the winds that were threatening to, to capsize him cease. And the waves that were coming over the side of the boat, it says, completely calm. Wow. Before we go any further, let me give you a little theological backstory. In the Bible, the very first chapter, we get a picture of this. We get a picture that humanity and God and creation are in what the Jewish people called shalom, in this working together in harmony with one another. And so there's harmony between creation, the environment, and humanity. But then in chapter 3, we see that humanity rebelled, a sinner into, entered into the picture, and all of creation was, uh, was plunged into the curse of sin. And, and it gives us this interesting observation. It says this, that now the ground will produce thorns. Isn't that an interesting curse? What it's speaking of is this, is that now, where there used to be harmony between the environment and humanity, now there's going to be enmity and hostility and frustration between the environment and humanity. And in the ancient Near East, the, the, the key picture of that hostility was the sea. Go ahead and put up the next slide. This is how they saw the sea in their day. It was a place of chaos and evil. It was, it, the sea was a, a symbol of, of something that was unstoppable and, and would bring uncontrollable destruction. And that's how the sea was understood in their day. Are you following me? And so it was known that, or, or, or thought and believed that the only one who could control the sea was God. That it was uncontrollable and untamable by anyone other than God. In fact, here, look at this. Look at what the psalmist wrote about about. The sea it says this in verse 60 or in chapter 67, verse 65, verse 7. O God, our Savior, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves. Psalm 89, 9. You, O God, rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. Psalm 107, 29. He stilled the storm to a whisper. And the, we, the waves of the sea were hushed. Okay, these Jewish young men who are in the boat, when Jesus calms the sea, the untamable, the chaotic, the unstoppable, and he gives one pronouncement, and shoo, they knew that Jesus just did what only God can do. Jesus is the one who can tame the chaos. Jesus is the one who can do what God can do. Well, then fast forward to the end of the Bible, 
Revelation 21. This is a a beautiful picture of of the culmination of all things. And here's what it says. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. You may have heard this before. Like this is when Jesus returns and everything is, is made new. All things are made new that all of the things that are chaotic in life he, he abolishes, he, he tames. But look at what else it says in, in verse one of, of chapter 21. It says this, that the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was what? No longer any sea. Now that's not saying that the Caribbean doesn't exist in heaven. It does, okay? I'm just, I, I have it on good account because of what it does for my soul. What it is saying is this, is that which is seen as unstoppable, that which is seen as chaotic, that which is a place of a fearful, evil reality is tamed. It's gone. What this story tells us is that Jesus is the one who can redeem all things. Jesus is the one who can make all things new. Jesus is the one who can tame the untamable. Jesus is the one who can stop the unstoppable and control the uncontrollable. He is God in flesh. He is the king. Let's keep reading. Jesus asked some questions. He says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? And they're like, well, there was wind (laughs) they kind of get the glass bit of water out (laughs) and waves and so he he asked them why they had the response they did then he asked them why they didn't respond differently what do you still have no faith and here's the thing here's what always shocks me here are these disciples what is what have these disciples seen these disciples have seen jesus cast out demons These disciples have seen Jesus heal a paralytic. They've seen him heal a leper. They've seen him uh, take a guy's withered arm and heal it. They've seen all of these miracles. And yet the next time they face something, what do they do? They go immediately back into the operating system of fear. Do you know anyone like that? I mean, they've seen Jesus do all of these things and yet their instincts are just still to go to fear. And so Jesus responds to them about the posture of their heart. Why is the posture of your heart one of fear? Will you have a posture of faith? Do you still have no faith, he says to them. Verse 41, and they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay, when the disciples saw this, let me tell you what they didn't do. They didn't go up to Jesus, give him a high five, and like, chest bump it out, bro, you know. They didn't, you the man. That's not what they did. You know what they did? They went, oh my goodness. And they were frozen. See, they were terrified. Okay, here's what you get. You get a mega storm that goes to mega calm and then they get mega scared. 
That's the text. That's what the text says. Terrified, absolutely terrified. Can I tell you, what this text teaches us is that the, the cure to our fear is fear. A greater fear of Jesus. The cure to our fear is to have a greater fear of Jesus, that the way we overcome fear is by having a fear of Jesus. And what I mean by fear is not some fear of punishment, but a reverential awe of the greatness and the grandeur and the majesty and and the power of King Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, when they saw what he did, it scared them. It terrified them. And they said, who is this? And here's the thing, you know, earlier in Texas says that that they had Jesus in the boat in this odd phrase, just as he was. Here's the thing. Why did, why, why did Mark record that? Because they didn't understand who he was. And then they watch him calm the sea and the winds and they start to say, oh, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. And that's the right question because the psalmist tells us who it is. It's God in flesh. Just as he was. And what I have found is that often my issues with fear and anxiety and worry are a derivative of me not having in that moment a high enough view of Jesus. So what does this teach us? Let me give us a couple things this teaches us and then we'll start to wrap this up. What does this teach us? Number one is it teaches us where to run in storms. (laughs) Where do you run in a storm? Where do you run? Because here's the thing, when you run to Jesus, you might just see him intervene and calm a storm in a supernatural way that would absolutely blow your mind. You'd be like, oh my. And you get a picture of the glory of Jesus. But if he doesn't do that, let me tell you what else he might do. He might use that storm to make you more dependent on him so you can understand his glory and you get a fresh revelation of his glory. That's what happened to these disciples. They came to their wits end in the midst of the storm. They turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, we need you. And then they get a fresh revelation of the glory of Jesus. Can I tell you something? As I look, I've been following Jesus for a lot of years almost 30 years. And here, when I look over my last 30 years of following Jesus, here's what I realize. That most of my growth and my walk with Jesus came in the midst of storms, not on sunny days. Most of, most of the the major growth moments in my walk with Jesus came in the midst of storms that when I ran towards him in the midst of that storm, I entered into a new dependence on him. And in that new dependence on him, I got to see his glory in a new way. Now, it may have been that he stopped something on my behalf, or it may have been that I trusted him in the midst of it and he brought me through, but I came out the other side of that storm in a stronger place in my walk with Jesus. Not in spite of the storm, but because of the storm. There was a, a man, a Spanish man in the 1500s, 
called St. John of the Cross, who wrote a book called The Dark Night of the Soul. And here's a quick quote from his book when he talks about how God uses storms. He says, we see that that which seems to, to the soul to be severe and adverse, working in it so many blessings. In other words, God uses the storms of life to form us. Now, I'm not trying to stand up here and say, so every storm is, you know, I'm not trying. I'm just saying that when I look at my 30 years as some of my greatest movements and growth in my walk with Jesus didn't come in sunny days, but came in the midst of the storm. And then finally, this shows us our picture of hope. It reminds us that the greatest storm you will ever face and I will ever face, Jesus has already calmed. The greatest storm that you'll ever face and I'll ever face is a storm of, of the wrath of our sins. And Jesus plunged himself into the eye of the storm. And he rose again after going to the cross victorious. He rose to to resurrected life as the one who's the, the first fruits of new creation, as the one who can make all things new and put all things back together and tame all the chaos and wipe every tear from your eye. He's the one who rose victorious over that storm. And so if he can do that, if he did that, if he didn't abandon you when it came to your greatest storm, then it means that he will not abandon you in every lesser storm that you will ever face. You can trust him in the midst of the storm. So let's trust the one who already took the greatest storm. And he may still the storm in a, in a minute, or he may just walk with you and bring you through the storm and you'll stand on the other side. As I mentioned earlier, the Bible, it's greatest, or most, not greatest, it's most common command is do not fear, 352 times. Why are we not to fear? There's one response that is given over and over and over when it tells us not to fear. And the response is this, because it will say something that sounds, you can read over so quickly, but it's so profound is this, that I will be with you. The reason why you don't need to fear is because God says, I will be with you. And here's the point. Jesus was with them in the boat. They didn't need to fear because Jesus was with them in the boat. And here's what I want to remind you of is that whatever storm you face, whatever storm you're facing right now, whatever storm you feel brewing on the horizon, that Jesus is with you in the boat. Um, and he's not wringing his hands. But his hands are strong and they're nail pierced to remind you of his love. So a verse that I planned on quoting is this, Isaiah 41.10. I memorized this when I was in college. I would commend you to memorize this as well. Do not fear for I am with you. 
be not, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will, stre- I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay, this is the promise. This is why you don't have to, because I am with you. The one who freaked them out, that they had them backing up to the front of the boat. He's with you. So uh, yesterday, after church, I was talking to my son who's at JMU, and he's going to a new church, obviously, up there. And he said, uh, yesterday at church, this woman gave uh, a, an encouragement from the Spirit. And he said, and here was the message that uh, don't... Right, hold on, I, I wrote it down. It says, uh, take heart in your furnaces and storms because I am with you. And I thought, son, I'm getting ready to preach that tomorrow. And that's what the Spirit said. And he was talking about how encouraging that was. Take heart in your furnaces and storms because I am with you. Then I woke up this morning to an email. This email is from an alum that I have not seen in probably seven or eight years. He is a very Spirit-led man. He, dear brother Chavoise from Nigeria. And he emailed me, he said, God put you on my heart, or put Chi Alpha on my heart to pray for. And so I'm, I'm praying for Chi Alpha. I don't know why I'm praying, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just praying. But I want you to know, as I was praying, God gave me a message for you, and here's the message. And you know what he wrote? Isaiah 41.10. That happened this morning. And so I emailed him back. I said, I'm speaking on that verse tonight and he emailed me back and he said well I don't know what storms you're facing but I know you'll stand on the other side and can I just tell you in my spirit I had a sense that God was going to do something tonight I mean the spirit is speaking Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. I have a question. What storm are you facing tonight? I listed a litany of possible different types of storms. That wasn't comprehensive, just representative. Are you feeling the storm, an emotional storm of being overwhelmed or brokenhearted or uncertain? And the list could go on and on. Is there a storm that you sense is brewing? As you sit here right now, what are you carrying? What do you need to trust him in? Then I have another question. What's your view of Jesus tonight? How glorious is Jesus? 
Do you have a reverential awe of Jesus? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture yourself in the midst of the storm of whatever it is you may be facing. And if you're not facing a storm, then just spend this time thinking, Jesus, you're not in a storm, okay? But it could just be a little thunder boom or it could be a category five. I don't know. But if you're facing a storm, here's what I want you to, here's what, here's what I want you to face. I want you to picture yourself running to Jesus in the midst of the storm. And I want you to picture yourself carrying your anxiety and your fear and your worry. And as you get closer to Jesus, I want you to picture him getting bigger and bigger and more magnified as you get closer to him and more glorious and more glorious as you get closer to him. Because here's what I know, Jesus is bigger than the biggest thought you've ever had of him. He's more glorious than the most glorious thought you've ever had of him. He's better than the best thought you've ever had of him. You've never overestimated King Jesus. You can take that to the bank. And here's what I want you to do. Maybe just close your eyes for a moment. As you run to him and he gets bigger and and better and more glorious then I want you to lay your fear and your anxiety and your worry at his feet. And I can't guarantee you what's going to happen in the midst of that storm, but I can guarantee you this, you can trust him. And he's not wringing his hands, but he holds you in his hands and his hands are strong and his hands are nail pierced. And after the storm comes and goes, you will stand because Jesus is in the boat with you and he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. We're going to respond in three ways tonight. The first thing we're going to do is we are going to respond in silence. So for the next minute, the worship team will be quietly coming up in the midst of our silence. So they're going to be silent. But they're going to play nothing. And I just want you to focus on Jesus in the boat with you in the midst of the storm and have your reverential awe of Jesus grow and open your heart to the Spirit and see what the Spirit says and may the Spirit put your heart at ease and may you have a peace that transcends all understanding to guard your heart and your mind because Jesus is in the boat with you and you hear him say do not fear for I am with you do not be dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you and help you with my righteous right hand and then we're going to sing and if as we sing you would like prayer There'll be staff in the back and we would be thrilled to lift you and your storm before the one who can say peace in the midst of the storm. 
Lord, I have no idea what storms your people are facing. But I do know your care, your compassion, your power. And I know that you want to be with them in the midst of the storm. I pray you'd say peace be still over storms. And I pray you'd say peace be still over hearts. Lord, give us a higher view of you. Better than our best thought we've ever had. Bigger than the biggest thought we've ever had. More glorious than the most glorious thought we've ever had. Give us a fresh revelation of you. And Lord, teach us what it looks like to depend on you. That we may know you better and love you more. We stand as we sing. I entitled the message tonight, Jesus Causes a Storm. Because in the midst of the storm that they faced, what they saw him do created a storm in their hearts. And so it's my prayer that tonight as you leave, you would be taken to a place where your, your heart is stirred with a storm of the glory of Jesus. That what started as a surge of adrenaline as you face the storm changes to a surge of of adrenaline through your body as you face the glory of Jesus and it causes a storm in your heart. So Jesus, be high and lifted up in the hearts of your people. I pray that your glory would capture our hearts afresh. And Lord, as people walk through storms, I pray that they would know your love and your power and your goodness and your grace and your sufficiency and your glory and your majesty is all in the boat with them. They would not fear, for you are with them. In Jesus' name your authority we pray amen amen all right well for the benediction tonight may god bless you and keep you may he make his face shine upon you may he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you and may he give you peace in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit Amen. Let's have a great week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com. 